Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Where would we go? We, if, if, if I'm honest, I go a lot of different places. I scratch and claw my way to worth and value and meaning. I run and hurry towards things that I think will satisfy and end up disappointed every time. To whom shall we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. So as we gather now around your word, would you open our hearts and ready our minds to experience eternal life? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's kind of a catchy tune, isn't it? And the words are spot on. You have the words of eternal life. And in God's infinite kindness, uh, he's written them in a book and we hold it in our hands. You have the words of eternal life. This is what John Calvin had in mind uh, when he said of Scripture, Scripture is like spectacles that dispel the darkness and give us a clear view of God. These are the words of eternal life. That's what uh, Eugene Peterson was getting at when he said of the Bible, uh, the Bible cannot be reduced to what you can handle. It cannot be domesticated to what is comfortable. It cannot become for you a toy poodle. These are the words of eternal life. And what you're about to hear is no toy poodle. This is no precious moments figurine. This is not the passage you hang on your refrigerator. Uh, you might want to brace yourself, uh, sit closer to the one you came with, if you came with somebody. Uh, you have been warned. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. Uh, first, Simon, who's also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, uh, James, son of Zebedee, uh, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. Uh, James, son of Alphaeus and uh, Thaddeus. Uh, Simon, the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Uh, these 12 he sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles. And enter no town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, proclaiming the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure diseases, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment. Give without payment. 
take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bags for your journey or two tunics, a sandal and a staff, for the laborers deserve their food. When you enter a town or village, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. When you enter a house, greet it. If, if, if it is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet and leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them. They will hand you over to councils and you will be flogged in their synagogues. They will drag you before governors and kings as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. When you are handed over, do not worry about what you are to speak or how you are to speak or what you are to say, for it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit of the Father who speaks through you. Brother will betray brother to death. A father, his child. Children will rise against their parents and have them put to death. All of you will be hated because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When you're persecuted in one town, flee to the next. Truly, I tell you, you will not have gone to all the towns in Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not more than his teacher, and a slave is not more than his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave to be like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? Have no fear of them. What is covered will become uncovered, and what is secret will become known. What you've heard me say in the dark, speak in the light. What you've heard whispered, speak from the rooftops. Have no fear of one who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Fear the one who can kill both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a single penny? Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father. And he counts the number of hairs on your head. Do not be afraid. You are of much more value than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my father in heaven. Whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set man against his father. A mother, a daughter against her mother. A, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. One's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever wants to find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. 
Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. If you welcome a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. If you welcome a righteous person in the name of a righteous person, you receive the reward of the righteous. Whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, their reward will not be lost. This is the word of the Lord. Come on. Whoa. Shall we skip this one? For God so loved the world. I could preach a sermon on that. These are the words of eternal life. Uh, Before you give in, before you give up, before you quit and call it a day, uh, let me frame the next few minutes on our way to the table like this. Uh, Jesus wants to reorganize the categories, wants you to enter into the rhythm, wants you to receive redemption and get in on the kingdom. And then we'll find our way to the table. Uh, Jesus wants to reorganize the categories. This is Matthew 10, by the way. Uh, it just doesn't fit our categories. Uh, we, like to, we like to reduce Jesus to uh, the all-affirming one. You know? Always encouraging me. boy, Johnny. Good boy, Johnny. Well done, Johnny. Uh, I don't know if that's all Jesus has to say. I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. Brother will betray brother. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. What happened to come to me and I'll give you rest? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. Instead, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Jesus reorganizes the categories. We cannot reduce Jesus to a precious moment's figurine. He's not a cute, cuddly, stuffed animal. I think one of the reasons I think these passages, and this is not the only place in the Bible, by the way. This is not like an anomaly. This is not the one you can ignore. Uh, It's repeated over and over. Every gospel, unless you take your cross, you cannot be my disciple. One of the reasons I think passages like this are so hard for, for us to take in, we have actually internalized a very different story. We've internalized a cultural narrative. If you want it, you can have it. If you dream it, you can do it. If you work hard enough, you're entitled to it. This is the cultural narrative that we've embraced. And then we, then we take Jesus' language and we slap it on that narrative and it replaces the actual narrative of our lives. And Jesus absolutely blows it up. He blows up the categories we've been operating with all of the time. He blows them up. 
He wants to reorganize the categories. How are you doing, by the way? Not so good. (laughs) He also wants you to enter into the rhythm. There's this rhythm. There's this basic fundamental rhythm of Christian community. It's embedded in this passage. It's hard to notice, maybe around all the banging around. It starts like this. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples. He he drew them close. He brought them near. He gathered them. And then it goes on. These 12 Jesus sent out. He, He launched them. He propelled them. He sent them. That's the basic rhythm of Christian existence. Gathered and sent. Gathered and sent. Sent and gathered. Gathered and sent. I happen to remember a capital campaign that borrowed that language recently. Gathered and sent. Gathered and sent. It's the fundamental rhythm of Christian existence. We gather. We have to. We gather on Sunday mornings mostly. We gather throughout the rest of the week also in triads or city groups or friend groups. We gather to remember who we are and to whom we belong. We sing and we pray. We gather around the Word. We gather to resist all of the other narratives that inundate us all the time. We reset the playlist, if you know what I mean. All all the songs we've been singing about what's true and right and good and beautiful, we reset that playlist and sing the true songs of our lives. How firm a foundation. Lord, have mercy. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. We reset the playlist when we gather. And then we're sent. We're sent into every sector of public life to claim it for Christ. Teachers and students, doctors and lawyers and shopkeepers and business people and nurses and therapists and moms and dads and people who plow streets, thank heavens, and snow blow sidewalks, thank you for my neighbor. We're sent into every sector of public life to claim it for Christ. But you cannot send what you have not gathered. And there's nothing to gather if you've not been sent. There were all kinds of churches this week in Holland who opened their doors as warming stations for people who were really cold, sent. Jordan and Rebecca Dang will be going to Uganda in the months to come. Nicole is with Olivia in Nicaragua where a team of Pillarites will meet them in June and you're going to work tomorrow, sent. It is the fundamental rhythm of Christian existence, gathered and sent. He summoned his disciples. He sent those 12. So if your life has been largely reduced, your, your, your life with God has largely been reduced to gathering, I want you to imagine for yourself, is there a place I'm being sent? If, on the other hand, you're having a hard time gathering your mind around why you would ever gather and rather would just be sent, maybe you should reconsider how equipped you are to be sent. Gathered and sent, sent and gathered. It's the fundamental rhythm of Christian existence. Uh, Christ wants to rearrange the categories. He wants you to enter into the rhythm. He wants you to receive redemption. Uh, Jesus gathers his 12, and before he sends them out, he says, uh, Proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom. The kingdom has come near. The kingdom where, every, where people from every language and tribe and nation will all gather around the throne to sing holy, holy, holy to the king. The kingdom where everybody will be warm and everybody will have a cup of water 
and everybody's name will be known and story will be honored. The kingdom, where, where whatever shame you carry is only remembered for the redemption that occurred. The kingdom, where every guilt you know is done with and every brokenness you experience is broken and every sadness you have turns to joy. The kingdom. Jesus Christ, by his life, death, and resurrection, accomplishes the kingdom, and he wants you to receive the redemption of the kingdom, even though it cost him his life. That's how much he wants you to receive it. Did you notice? I loved this. It's so tender. Uh, they name, he, Matthew, the, the writer, names the twelve. Simon also known as Peter. His brother, Andrew, I wonder if Jesus was looking at Simon and Andrew when he said, brother will betray brother. James and John, Philip and Bar. There's this interesting descriptor then of one of the disciples. You noticed it. Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. The one who betrayed him. Judas betrayed him. He betrayed him. Jesus called him close. Jesus let him in. Jesus knew his name, walked with him, and Judas betrayed him. He handed him over to councils to be flogged. He was brought before governors and kings, and they killed him. They hung him on a cross. They hung him on a cross, and, 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 then, and he breathed, when he breathed his last, they buried him in a grave. But the grave wasn't strong enough to hold him. He, he rose up from the grave for resurrection, so that you and I might have eternal life, so that you and I might receive redemption. Christ wants you to experience redemption so deeply he died and rose again to offer it freely for you. Uh, there's this great scene in the Chronicles of Narnia. Have you heard of the Chronicles of Narnia? Uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, these four children, they make their way into the land of Narnia. Uh, where, where trees talk, uh, trees walk and animals talk. Uh, Edmund has betrayed uh, his brothers and sisters and the whole land of Narnia. Aslan, the king, the king lion, uh, offers, uh, Edmund has been taken by the white witch and, and Aslan offers his life for Edmund's. Do you remember this scene in the story? Uh, and the white witch takes Aslan, she lays him on the stone table, and I'd read this part for you, but it's just so sad. She kills him. She kills the king. Susan and Lucy have followed along. They stay at a distance to watch. They stay away from the fray. Uh, the white witch and her underlings leave. Susan and Lucy come close to As Aslan to hold his dead body, and that's, the table breaks, and Aslan disappears, and then they find him, he, he, he roars and he says to them, there's a magic deeper still which the witch did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time, but if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and the darkness before time dawned, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. Death itself would start working backwards. The kingdom... Death itself works backwards. Death, where's your victory? The kingdom. Where's your sting? Death, the kingdom. Death has been swallowed up. The kingdom, the kingdom, where heaven and earth are no longer divided by death, but become one and the same. The kingdom. 
Death works backward. Jesus wants you to receive redemption. He died to make it happen so that death would work backwards. Now, I realize it's, uh, we're sort of a combination RCA, CRC congregate, but that deserves something from a Pentecostal background. Thank you. He wants you to receive redemption, and he wants you to get in on the kingdom. Jesus Christ died and rose again, not so that you could just have it your way, but so that you could enter into the kingdom, live the way of the kingdom. And let me tell you now, it will cost you your life. You may not die a martyr's death, but it will cost you your life. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Really? Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Oh, no. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Oh, boy. It will cost you your life. It's not to pit, you know, mom against son. You know, just for the sake of an argument. It's an invitation to each of us, every one of us, to to identify for ourselves what is center. What is center in your life? And it's not just siblings. It doesn't just have to be family. It can be job. It can be social status. It can be wealth. It can be relationship. It can be desire. It can be any number of things that get in the way of our life with God. It can be good things like my mom. It doesn't have to be morally bankrupt. We're so good at at putting other things in place of the one. And Jesus says, Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. So what, I mean, what do you make of this stuff, you know? Like, why don't we come back next Sunday? Uh, Jenna's going to preach. It's going to be a lot better. Uh, It'll be, you know, what do you do with this? Um, I, I suppose we could do what we normally do and ignore it. It's the anomaly, you know. Let's get on with the more affirming stuff, the more encouraging stuff. We could do that. Um, Except Jesus just keeps repeating it. Just keeps saying it over and over. So don't do that. We could ignore it, or we could actually enter into the recategorized life that Jesus has created. We could enter into the kingdom and live according to the kingdom. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the sick. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are the meek. We could, we could enter into the kingdom and live, speak, show the kingdom. We could live as sign, instrument, and foretaste of the kingdom, a sign pointing to what will be one day. I was going to the men's retreat yesterday in Shelbyville. Where's Shelbyville? I don't know, but I, I saw a sign that pointed me to Shelbyville and I felt much better. We live as sign of the kingdom. Foretaste. Here we gather as a glimpse 
even, even if seen dimly a glimpse of what will be one day. When we pass the peace and shake hands, it's not just a fancy Christian way of saying hi. It's a way of conferring on one another what's actually true. It's a foretaste. And as instrument, we, we, we bring about the kingdom on earth. We do things that bring about the kingdom. We could ignore this if we'd like, or we could, we could take a look at our lives and see how we participate in the kingdom. We could name the things about our lives that have taken place of the one who is meant to be at the center of our lives, none other than Jesus Christ. So here's what I was thinking. Here's what I was thinking we could do. I'm not going to end the sermon as badly as you want it to be over. Uh, I'm not going to have any concluding stories. Though I could tell you about the guy I met on Thursday who was converted to Christ in this chapel 35 years ago. Uh, No concluding quotes, though I do love that Peterson quote about the toy poodle. Uh, No, you know, summarizing statements. I'm not going to conclude the sermon. I'm going to let you do that. Uh, Jonathan and the ensemble are going to join me here. They're going to play something for a little while. Not a terribly long time. While they're playing, I want you to name for yourself. I don't, you, know, you don't have to write it down. You don't have to you know, tell anybody. You can email me if you want. I want you to name for yourself the thing that stands between you and the living God. The easy thing would be to name the, the, the deep sin. That, well, if that's it, name it. Uh, it might be a little more difficult if it's not actually morally bankrupt. If it's actually something quite nice, but you've located it at the center. I want you to name whatever it is. If you're a Christian, I want you to name whatever it is. If you're not a Christian, I want you to name whatever it is. And then I want you to imagine, what, what could life be like if that weren't at the center? Jonathan and the ensemble are going to play for us. Uh, You take a moment, and I'll conclude us in prayer in just a minute. Jesus, yours are the words of eternal life. And as as much as we'd like it to be sweet and easy, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to go the way of the kingdom. 
And a couple of us, maybe most of us, spend some time naming what stands in our way, uh, our way of life with you. Some of them are actually quite fine. They're socially acceptable things, but they're in the way. Would you give us courage to, to relocate our lives around your life to, to go the way of the kingdom? And in so doing, find eternal life, not just finally, one day after we breathe our last, but eternal life here, now, abundant life, full life. And we thank you, God, that you've, you've shown us the way, you've made the way through Jesus Christ who meets us now at the table. The bread broken, the cup poured out for us, the way. So as we, as we have named some stuff about our lives and as we come to the table, would you please meet us here? And would you offer again the redemption we're in desperate need of? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.